Welcome, friends, to Earth's Final Countdown. This is a continuation of Unlocking Bible Prophecies with Cammie. My name is Dr. Dwayne McKee, President of Adventist World Radio. Have you ever wondered why there are so many different churches around the world? Mabuta Sisiseko, he asked that question. He found out in the Zaire, in the Congo, there are a thousand churches. Where do they all come from? Stay tuned. We'll find out. Welcome again to the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Why so many denominations? It's right there in the Bible in the book of Revelation, the Apocalypse. If you have questions, remember, any questions, prayer requests, whatever, WhatsApp us at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven, or you can just SMS, text us at two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. And I just found a new book that you would really like. It covers a lot of these topics. It's by Mark Finley. And the, the title is Hope for Troubled Times. Hope for Troubled Times. Just say, I want that book. Or say, Mark Finley's book. Or say, Hope for Troubled Times. Just text us, WhatsApp us, and we'll send it to you right away. You'll enjoy reading that. By the way, be sure you subscribe to the channel. Just go ahead and click it and, and then say like. And, and click that little no notification bell. Kathy, my wife, she says, now tell them to click it because it'll go bing. <laughs> and then welcome to all of you around the world. Some of you from the Philippines, some from Asia, from China. Wow, it's amazing. The South America, inter-America, Europe, all around the world. We get texts from you. Tell us on Facebook or just send us a message and say, I'm watching from Kathmandu or wherever. We're happy to have you with us. Remember three things. We're at the end of the book. There are three things, remember. Now, the end of the book is all the great prophecies of the Bible have been fulfilled, except one, and that's the second coming of Jesus. Secondly is Mama's prayers. My mother prayed for me or I wouldn't be here. You have someone, your mother, your father, praying for you or you wouldn't be here. Jesus, the Bible says, is praying for you. He's praying for us. And God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. God has a plan. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for having a plan for our lives. I thank you for giving us the Bible that we can understand and know what's happening in these end times. I pray as we study together and we will realize how you have led us in the past and you will lead us in the future. I pray that we'll have our eyes fixed and focused on Jesus. In Christ's name I pray, amen, amen. Blessings to you and blessings to your family and each of you. Some of the puzzle pieces that we have said, just to remind us of a few of them. The star of the drama of Revelation is Jesus, the faithful witness, the lamb, the king of kings. The villain of the drama of Revelation is Satan, the old serpent, the devil, the dragon. Satan is dead serious about destroying every one of us, but Jesus is dead serious about saving every one of us. The last power in Daniel 7 would think to change times and laws. In other words, try to change. You can't change God's laws. And the medieval church, a religious and political power, admits to changing the day of worship from the Sabbath of the fourth commandment to the pagan day of the sun. Baptism is the memorial to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He is our Savior. Mark chapter 16, verse 16. Jesus said, He that believeth in me and is baptized shall be saved. The Sabbath is the memorial of creation. He is our creator. Exodus 20, 8 to 11. I, I go over this again because people get awful confused sometimes. And they say, well, I go to church on Sunday, the day of the sun. 
because Jesus was resurrected on that day. It's not in the Bible that we should worship on Sunday. It's just not there. The memorial to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is baptism. That's what the Bible says, Romans chapter 6. The memorial to the fact that God created us in his image is the Sabbath, and that's why we worship God on the seventh day Sabbath. Actually, some people have been confused, and just remember that in Luke chapter 23, verses 54 to 55, that is the preparation day. Remember, you've heard me say a couple of times that there are only two days in the Bible that have names. The rest are, uh, well, we say Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but that's, those are names we're given later. But in the Bible, it's, it's the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the preparation day, which is Friday, and the Sabbath, which is the seventh day Sabbath given to us from the Ten Commandments. So Luke chapter 23, the preparation day, and then Exodus chapter 20, the Sabbath, and Luke chapter 24 is the first day. That's when Jesus was resurrected. So that kind of puts it all together so we can quite understand. We won't have to be confused. And sometimes people say, oh, how do you know for sure which day? Well, I just think of, of Friday, the preparation day, Good Friday, Sabbath, and then the resurrection day, Sunday, the first day of the week. When we fall asleep in Jesus, the next thing we see will be Jesus coming in the clouds with all the angels. I can't wait. <laughs> That's the next thing. That's what the Bible says. The next thing we'll see. Let me take you to Romania, Bucharest. We were doing an AWR TMI project there, and, and we learned a story. And we had, there was just a baptism from our sermons that we were preaching in one of the churches near Bucharest. We, we learned a story about Lydia and her husband, Eli. And Eli was telling us what happened to him. He said, right after the fall of communism, in the end of the early 90s, uh, he said, I got so excited about becoming a Christian. I went to a church and, and they told me about Jesus and I accepted the gift of salvation and they sprinkled me to baptize me. But then he said, I had a problem because I started reading the Bible and it said in the Bible that Jesus was baptized. He was baptized in the Jordan River. <laughs> I said, I want you to baptize me in the Jordan River. They said, we can't go to Israel. No, no, you don't mean that. Just, just baptize me in a river by immersion like Jesus was baptized. And they said, oh, we don't do that in this church. And so he said, I kept looking and looking and finally I found a church. I went there and they baptized me. And just like Jesus, and I got so excited about this church. I said to my wife, you know, we're making good money. Let's build a church. So they built a church. And then they shared Jesus with so many of their neighbors and friends, and the church filled up. Then one day, Eli was, he worked at the railroad switcher station. He had there, they would switch the tracks with trains to go back and forth, and they had a lot of downtime. And he noticed one of his friends was taking his cell phone and listening to the radio while they were waiting for the trains to come. And he thought, I'm going to do that. So he brought his cell phone to work and he tuned in and he found Adventist World Radio broadcasting on the cell phone. And he began to listen and listen and listen. Actually, he said, I, I learned the names of all the speakers. I knew their voices and I knew when they came on. I, I, these were fantastic sermons about Jesus about salvation, about baptism. And then they started talking about the Sabbath. And I began to listen, what is that? And I listened carefully. Yes, the fourth commandment tells us to worship, to worship on this, the seventh day of the week, just like God commanded us in the book of Genesis. I got thrilled and I said to my wife, Lydia, I said, Lydia, let's go, let's go to church. And, and I'm not going to that church, she said. We, have, we built this church. Our friends are all coming to this church right now. We go to church on Sunday. I'm not going. <laughs> so they had a discussion back and forth. 
And one day he went by himself. He got to the church. And the people were so nice to him. And he found out it wasn't that far from his house. So he kept saying to Lydia, honey, we got to go. We got to go. So finally she went and she went and went. And their daughter and their daughter and Lydia and, and Eli were both all three baptized. And then they said to the, the second daughter, you got to go with us. He wouldn't do it. So we had these meetings and she had just gotten baptized. And he was telling us a story how he found Jesus. I said, Lydia, does he ever tell people? When he was baptized, when he found the Sabbath, when he was listening to his radio, and she said, he can't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> he was telling all kinds of people about how God had led him into the truth and was baptized because he understood about the grace of Jesus. He understood about baptism, and now he understood about the Sabbath. Isn't that exciting? I've thought about that with all the different kinds of churches. You know, you have a number of different churches who, who understand a part of the truth about Jesus. A part, but not all of it. And so as we look at the Bible, we'll discover a prophecy. It actually tells us about the, the different periods of time and how truth will be lost and how truth will be rediscovered. And that's what we're looking at, how, why there are so many different kinds of churches, different churches. Well, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? In the end, we want to walk in his footsteps. Jesus came and gave us an example. He lived here on earth. He gave us his teachings and he reaffirmed that we're created in God's image. We're saved by grace alone. If we love him, we're baptized like he was baptized. It's just a thrilling story. You take God's word and you go through it and you read through it. Remember, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. There will be no confusion, no confusion about different churches and world religions, etc if people would just go to God's word and read what God says. There's no reason. Well, let's go to the four horsemen of the book of, of Revelation, the apocalypse. Why so many denominations? Adam and Eve. Remember, back there in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, the serpent said to them, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall not surely die. God had said to Adam and Eve, don't go to the, the tree in the, in the midst of the garden because in the day you eat of it, you will die. <laughs> but Satan said, no, you can't believe what God says. Well, that was the first lie. And because of that lie, we know there are lots of different world religions that evolved from that. For example, the idea that there's a wheel of life, that you die and you come back and you die and you come back. You, you die and, and if you're good, you come back in a different form. If you're bad, you come back in a and a bad form. So this wheel of life, it's, it's all centered on Satan's lie. If you die, you don't really die, but you come as God's. No, no. So all these great world religions, they centered just on that. I, I told you in the sermon some time ago why we have, you know, you know, there's a huge world religion from, we call the Muslims in the Middle East. And we know that that's, they're actually related to Christians because it goes back to Abraham. Remember the story of Abraham? He had a wonderful wife. Her name was Sarah. And Sarah was, well, she was a little aged. <laughs> he was too, though. <laughs> he had a vision one night, and God said to Abraham, Abraham, you're going to have a child. Sarah is going to get pregnant and have a baby. And took him outside and said, look at all the stars up there. Your seed, your children, all the families will be like the stars of the heaven. 
Now, Sarah was 90 years old. She said, you know, I can't have kids anymore. <laughs> I'll be on that age. So she said, it's kind of acceptable here in, in our culture. I'll give you my handmaid. Her, her name is Hagar. She's a pretty young lady. <laughs> and, and, and then we'll just take her. And also she can, she can have you know, to, to make the promise from the angel to fulfill it. And so that happened. And so Abraham took a second wife, which was acceptable, but not long lasting because she got pregnant and then she had a baby and Abraham was so happy the baby's name was Ishmael. But sometime later Sarah got pregnant and gave birth to Isaac. Yeah you ladies you know you can't have two women in the same kitchen. It doesn't work. <laughs> and so Sarah didn't like this and she said Abraham this is not working. <laughs> you had to tell him to go away. So Hagar and Ishmael left but God took care of them. That is how the Muslim nation came about. And so it's a family feud that's been going since then. But again, it's based on not believing God's promises. That's what caused the trouble. And I think that causes a lot of problems in today's world. And your family said, we don't believe God. <laughs> it's going to cause a lot of issues. That's why we say, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. A very smart person said this, of all heathen, all pagan religions, all non-Christian religions, is the idea that man can save himself by his own works. As we look at the different world religions today, they're all based on the fact. If I, and, and Christianity, we see this so often too, who people who don't understand grace, who don't understand if we love Jesus, we'll keep his commandments because we love him based on love. If they don't understand grace, God's grace, then they try, they, well, I, I'm not so bad. One person said to me, <laughs> oh, look at those little boys out there playing together. Surely God's not going to, you know, he's going to take them all to heaven because they're such good little boys. We're not going to heaven. No one's going to heaven because, <laughs> because you're good. <laughs> no, the gift of God, the gift of salvation. Ephesians chapter, chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not to yourselves, it is a gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. Let me ask you, Christmas time, maybe it's New Year's time, and ladies, you get a free gift from your sweetheart. Do you, do you run out to the store and, and, and say, I, I want to I take this gift back? No. Do you go to him and say, how much did it cost? How much did it cost? I'll pay you for it. No. You can't steal a gift. You can't pay, buy a gift. A gift is a gift. God gives us a free gift, the gift of salvation. What an amazing God. What an amazing God. You can't earn salvation. Did you hear me? You can't buy it. You can't steal it. No. Salvation is a free gift that God gives us. And we have to realize that. We're never good enough. You know, right now, with Adventist World Radio, we're seeing incredible things happen. I've said to Kathy and to our team, I've never seen anything like this. I've been, I've been doing this kind of thing around the world in multiple countries for 50 years. And, and normally we have meetings and we baptize really good people, people who, who fall in love with Jesus. They're good people, not bad people. <laughs> Actually, we're all, we all have sin and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says. But they're, not, they're just good people. But now, now something's happening. We're seeing, we're seeing witches baptized. We're seeing assassins baptized, rebels baptized. We're, we're seeing all kinds of people coming to Jesus, making that about face. Remember, I told you the story of the, of the pastor who his, uh, his church members, they understand 
understood salvation so well. And so one of the other pastors in town said, Pastor, how do you do that? And he says, oh, it's easy. He said, I, I, I get up in front of the church and I say, I'm go, I'm, I walk this way, I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell. And then I turn around and I say, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. That's, that's what salvation is. That's an about face. And if you fall and you get up, you're just that much closer to Jesus. Isn't that exciting? God loves us so much. You see, if we could earn salvation, then Jesus, the Son of God, could have stayed in heaven. He wouldn't have had to come and die on the cross because the wages of sin is death. And Jesus died for you and for me. Wow. Wow. So all these world religions that base, you know, if you have to make yourself good, 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 you do good works, you do all kinds. It's not from God. No, salvation is a gift. That's because of Jesus. The Bible and the Bible only was the cry of the Reformation. That's why we always say, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not, it's not for me. And that's the cry of the Reformation. It's interesting. I've told you this before. I mean, in case you missed it, if you go to Buddha's tomb in India, it's occupied. Oh, he's a good man, sure. But the tomb itself is occupied. If you go to Confucius' tomb in China, a good man, yes, good teachings, but his tomb is occupied. If you go to Muhammad's tomb in Saudi Arabia, good man, good teachings. Again, the tomb is occupied. But not long ago, Kathy and I and the film crew and, and Cammy, we were in Israel and we went to the garden tomb and we went in and looked inside. And guess what? The tomb of Jesus near Jerusalem at the garden tomb is empty. <laughs> Jesus is not there. Aren't you thankful it's empty? We, we serve a risen Savior. He's promised the same Jesus, <laughs> the angel said to the disciples. You see, if you leave the tomb and you go down across the Kidron Valley, walk up, it's quite a walk actually, and then turn to your right, you, you go down toward Bethany, and in that area, that's where 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus met with the disciples and they were talking together and all of a sudden, Jesus started going up and they were looking up in the sky. They couldn't believe it. He was going up. <laughs> And the angel said, you men from Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into the sky? The same Jesus that you see going up into the sky was so common the same way. Jesus is coming back. He's alive. He's alive. The tomb is empty. He died for your sins and mine. That's why I love him so much. That's why I love him. In the book of Revelation, chapter 6, it talks about the future of Christianity and it's revealed to us there. Let's, let's have a look at it just, just carefully. Let, let me tell you, as I mentioned at the very beginning, about Mobutu Sisi Seko. <laughs> One day, he was driving down the road from Kinshasa to Matadi by the coast. And he was with his entourage and his army and soldiers. And he was looking and he'd go by uh, and see a little sign that would say, Church of the Prophet Kimbu. Church of the prophet Pierre, Church of the prophet Johan. And he says, what is this? Where did all these churches come from? And they said, well, we don't know, sir. Well, find out. How many independent churches do we have here in the Congo, in Zaire? And so they did a research project, and they found that there were about a thousand, <laughs> a thousand churches. This can't be, he said. Let's make some rules here. And so you, they made some rules to become a legal recognized church in the Congo. You had to have, the, the leader of the church, the prophet, had to have a college degree, 
Well, that, that elimin eliminated most of them. And then secondly, they had to have $1,000 in the bank, and that eliminated almost all of them. Actually, we were one, the Seventh-day Adventists, were one of the 33 recognized churches. Now, in the Kasai, where we went as missionaries, we had been there for about 20 years. And, and the missionaries would pray and say, Lord, why not? Nothing is happening here. After 20 years, we had 300 members. We had one church, one dispensary, one school, one nurse, one teacher, one pastor. 20 years over in Rwanda, over in Zambia, over in Tanzania. Things were happening. A lot of people were learning about Jesus, but not in the Kasai. Why wasn't it growing? And then this law was passed. And God, you know, God is so amazing, <laughs> absolutely amazing. He knew this. There was a pastor's son, a Seventh-day Adventist pastor's son, over in Rwanda, the neighboring, neighboring country. He wanted to go to college. He couldn't get into the university in Rwanda, and so he went to Kinshasa, the neighboring city, the neighboring country. And he, he flew into Kinshasa, and he went to the university. He got a degree, and he ended up working for the president, and then the vice president, and then he had an underlying job, and finally he was working for the secretary of the interior. And so he was in this office, and he, he, was, he would have these prophets that would come in. They had to go see him and sign up as to which church they would join if they wanted to be legal and exist. They had to join one of the 33 recognized churches. And so they would come in, the prophets would, the leaders of these independent churches, a thousand, and they would say, what church should we join? And he would say, well, back there on the table, you see, I have all the, all the 33 back there. And we have their dossiers, their documents. You go and read what they believe and find one that you agree with and then join that church. And so they would go back there and they would read and they would read and they would read and they would say, this is too confusing. Which church should we join? And then he would say, remember, he's a Seventh-day Adventist pastor's son. He had gone to meetings just like this. He had listened to the meetings, just what you're listening to. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. He knew all that. And so he would say, he said, well, if, what do you believe? And they would respond, well, we believe everything's in the Bible. And he would start to smile and say, well, if you believe everything that's in God's word, then you have to become a Seventh-day Adventist. So after 20 years of almost no growth, all of a sudden, these different prophets, these different thousand churches, they started connecting with Seventh-day Adventists. They started connecting. And the Lord blessed and the Lord blessed. You know, the, 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 some of the local missionaries first, not Adventists, decided when they got there, they were going to translate the Bible into the local Chaluba language. And, and they came to the verse there over here in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. We've had that text, remember? And it doesn't say which day, just I was, this is the Lord has a day. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And they thought, that's confusing. You know, these people don't quite understand. We're smart, and we do. And so they translated it, I was in the Spirit on Sunday. <laughs> it doesn't say that. And so when the young people in the Kasai who were studying at the schools they learned to speak French. They got their Bibles and they looked in the French translation and it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, not Sunday. And so there was lots of discussion and that's why many of these people started coming and coming and coming because they wanted to follow Jesus and do what the Bible says. 
the Bible and the Bible only. That was the cry of the Reformation. Sola Scriptura. Wasn't long until a hundred thousand people were baptized. Isn't that amazing? A hundred thousand people were baptized. Yeah. They discovered truth, the truth as it is in Jesus. Let's go to Revelation chapter 6 and verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, this, these are four horses, and these are four periods of time, and we're going to go through them quickly, and you can see how different things were lost in truth. The first one was white. We had a pure faith. It was the first 100 years. Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. He had a bow, and it says, And a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. This was a conquering faith. This was the, the disciples. They knew Jesus. They had seen him. They saw the resurrection. They knew everything, and they shared their faith. That's why they, they went around the world. All They went to the then Jesus had told them. He said, go into all the world and preach and teach and baptize. And they did. They did. They went every place. And the church grew and grew and grew. It was a conquering faith, a pure faith. White represents purity. In Revelation, it gives us a picture of Christ's conquering church. In Revelation chapter 12, a woman dressed in white, white is purity. And so they had a pure faith. It, it was thrilling as the church grew and grew. In Acts chapter 5, verse 14, it says there, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Multitudes of both men and women. Now, in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, this is an amazing verse. I love it. Listen to what God tells us here. And we ought to obey God rather than men. Wow. Think about that. God is telling us we need to obey him. <laughs> Don't, remember I've told you it doesn't matter what your, your Aunt Susie says. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says or your friend or your any, anyone else. What matters is what God says. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. So the next grouping now that we see, the next, this is going to be about 300 years, the red horse. And this will, uh, is in Revelation chapter 6, verse 4. This is a bloodstained faith because there's so much persecution and so many people start dying here starting into the Middle Ages. Revelation 6, 4. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that the people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. This is what we refer to the period of the church as the blood-stained faith. That's why it's a red a red horse representing blood. So many people. The, this is the, the time of the gladiators. Kathy and the kids, Bracken and Danae and I, we've been there at the, at the in Rome at, at the big stadium and the Colosseum. And you look at it, you can almost hear 2,000 years back the people who were who died there, that turned to the wild animals, the gladiators. It's a horrible thing. Let me share a story that comes to us from this time period. It's a rent, it tears at your heart. A group of soldiers were captured. You see, they, they had renounced the Roman ways and they wanted to be Christians and follow Jesus. There were 49 of them. They were captured by the other soldiers. They were put out on a frozen lake. It was wintertime, very, very cold. They, they had to give up their coats, and they built a huge fire alongside the lake, trying to tempt them to give up their faith in Jesus and, and, turn, and, and come back and renounce Jesus. And so they were there on, in the middle of the lake, singing together. 
49 soldiers battling for thee, O Christ. Give to us the victory and give to us the crown. There were 49 of them. They sang louder and louder. There was something that was happening inside the captain's heart there by the fire. He listened and listened. He had heard about Jesus. And he was tempted before, and, and now something strange was going on in his heart. And, and all of a sudden, as he looked, there was some stirring out there. And then they saw one of, one of the soldiers, one of the Christians who wanted to be Christian, running toward the fire. He was freezing. It was so cold, and he fell down at the captain's feet. The captain took his coat off and threw it on him. And he, all of a sudden, he heard the soldiers saying again, 48 soldiers battling for the oh Christ, but it didn't have as much force this time. And the captain ran out across the ice toward the 48 soldiers. And he cries out, by God's grace, I'll have your place. As he got there, he huddled with the group on the ice. And now they say more of more force than ever before. 49 soldiers battling for the oh Christ, give to us the victory and grant to us the crown. Oh, my friends, don't you love Jesus? Don't you love him so much? Don't let anything stand between you and accepting Jesus. Don't listen to others who tempt you to go the world's way. If you have sinned, make that about face. Turn around. Jesus will forgive you. He'll throw his arms around you. There's a crown of righteousness. Yes, join the forces with God. Put him first in your life. There's a heavenly home that he's preparing for us now. Eternity, it's just that. It's eternity. Don't let anybody steal your crown. No, no. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. During this persecution period, A.D. 100 to 323, this is the second seal, the red horse. Horrible things happen. They say perhaps millions, uh, maybe 50 million, maybe some even say during the whole period of the Middle Ages, maybe a hundred million, we don't know, but millions died because of their faith. Revelation 6, 5, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. This is a compromised faith. Actually, this is worse than the bloodstain. The bloodstained faith, people die because of their faith. Now they compromise. People compromised and compromised, and bad things crept into the church. Paganism crept into the church. We see that over and over again. Acts 20, 29. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Wow, this is that compromised face. This is a time period when all kinds of crazy stuff crept in. It's amazing. Remember I've told you, you look at the cross of Jesus. And then the world comes up with rabbits and chickens and eggs. What does that have to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? It's paganism that crept into the church during this time. It's a compromised faith. Horrible things crept in. Daniel 8, 12 says, He cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. Amazing. This is a, a period of compromise. Salvation through Christ was replaced by the requirements of the church. If you go to the Ten Commandments, the, the first four commandments deal with the relationship, a man's relation with God. The last six deal with our relationship with each other. The, the first commandment deals with no other gods, no other gods before me. 
the second commandment, you should bow down to no carved, no carved images. The third commandment, don't use God's name in vain. Actually, it's interesting. In uh, St. Peter's in the church there, there's an image of Peter today. If you go there and look at it, you ask the question, well, is that Jupiter or Peter? Well, actually, it's, it's Jupiter. It was in a pagan temple. And someone thought, that could look like Peter. <laughs> and so many years ago, it was brought into the Christian church in Rome. And it's really Jupiter. And they say, oh, no, it's St. Peter. <laughs> it's not St. Peter at all. The commandments to worship graven images. It's done over and over again. It's very unfortunate as this paganism, again, crept into the church. And so even some have changed, tried to change the very law of God, the commandments of God, not to worship graven images. Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. God says, <laughs> don't worship graven images. And the church says, oh, we want to move that. Let's change that commandment. And so they did. But can you change the law of God to suit yourself? No, you can't. They're not 10 suggestions, remember? Home base. Remember home base? It's World Series. And the New York Yankees are playing. And they're, they're, they're having a hard time. And they're, they're in the stadium in New York City. And, and they have this wonderful pitcher. And he just can't hit home base, which is 17 inches. And so they, they, they have a powwow, and, and the Yankees say, why don't we change the size of home base and make it 20 inches? And they said, you can't change the size of, of home plate. Home plate is 17 inches. You see, you can't change the commandments of God to suit you. No, they're God's commandments. What is right is right. Home base is 17 inches. That's right. Amen. Daniel 7.25 says they were thanked to change times and laws. Yeah, God said that this time period, the church would attempt to, try to change the very law of God, change of the Sabbath by virtue of our own authority. That's what she says. Here it is. And the Catholic Church Sentinel, I, I saw this. I said, Kathy, look at this. <laughs> we were in Portland, Oregon, May 21, 1995, St. Catherine. Perhaps the boldest thing, the most revolutionary change the church ever did happened in the first century. The holy day, the Sabbath, was changed from Saturday to Sunday, not from directions noted in the scripture, but from the church's sense of its own power. Now notice this part of this statement there from the Catholic Church Sentinel. People who think that the scripture should be the sole authority should logically become Seventh-day Adventists and keep Saturday holy. <laughs> and we say amen. <laughs> if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. During this age of compromise, the pagans' day of the sun replaced the Bible Sabbath. Wow. We even see in some of Constantine's coins, we see the sun god, worshiping the sun god. History of the Eastern Church, page 184. The retention of the old pagan name of Dies Sole, or Sunday, is in great measure owing to the union of pagan and Christian sentiment with which the first day of the week was recommended by Constantine to his subjects, pagan and Christian alike, as a venerable day of the sun. Let me show you a little video clip. It's short. Kathy and I were in, in Arizona 
And it was a Sunday afternoon. We were doing some things in the house there. And uh, it, it, was, it was interesting as we listened. To, I, I was, had A&E on, and I heard something about Constantine. Constantine changed the day of worship. And I said, wow, that's interesting. And so I got this tiny little clip. Listen to what it says as Constantine history records. that Constantine changed the day of worship from the, the Sabbath to the first day of the week, the day of the sun, the pagan day of the sun. Wow, that's exactly what happened. And then the church accepted it because then more adherents would come. And with more people coming to the church, there were more finances for the church that they could build big cathedrals and do lots of things. It was amazing how people, Christians even, turned against God. The church turned against God and accepted this change from Constantine to worship on the first day of the week, the day of the sun, a pagan day of the sun, the fertility goddess. Wow, amazing. Let's watch it. The conversion of Constantine is one of the most important turning points in Christian history. The ceremonies to celebrate the reunification of the empire are Christian. Yet the nature and extent of Constantine's conversion are still matters of debate. Modern scholarship suggests a complicated scenario behind the traditional version of history's greatest conversion. Some scholars claim that the God Constantine accepted that day at the Milvian Bridge was not Jesus, but the sun god Apollo. Could the reputed first Christian emperor have actually retained his paganism? He believed in the sun god, the Sol Invictus, the invincible uh, sun. He had some connection with Apollo and the idea of sun worship. And I think he was a man of his own spirituality, still evolving, still developing. Despite his ostensible conversion, Constantine retains many pagan practices when he becomes emperor. His sympathy with Christianity is undeniable, but so is his tolerance for paganism. His coins carry the image of the sun god. Constantine demands that Christians change their day of worship from the Hebrew Sabbath to the Roman day of the sun. Remember, man cannot change God's law. Let's go now to Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, and we'll read again the account of creation about the Sabbath and the seventh day. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. To sanctify it means he made it holy. Only one day in the week is holy. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it, he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Wow, the black horse is a time of compromise. A.D. 323 to 538. All these things started creeping into the church, and the church changed. The church changed. The third seal. The third seal. Revelation chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, When he opened the fourth seal, the fourth seal, wow, so I looked, and behold, a pale horse. So now it's a pale horse. So he went from a white horse to a red horse to a black horse, and now a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death, 
and Hades followed with them. It's a terrible time for the church. Notice here church history. Christianity became the established religion in the Roman Empire and took the place of paganism. Christianity as it existed in the Dark Ages might be termed baptized paganism. Have you ever wondered why it was called the Dark Ages? Well, this is the reason. This is the reason. All this stuff from the paganism crept into the church and they baptized it and changed and changed. And uh, it was a terrible time of compromise. This had happened over and over again. Those who wanted to follow God and God only and follow the Bible and the, what the Bible says were captured. Soldiers captured soldiers. And it was horrible, a horrible time of compromise. And in this time of compromise, we see that sun worship has, has crept in instead of the Sabbath. Works instead of grace. You know, we're saved by faith alone in Jesus. But the church came back and said, no, you have to pay all this money. You have to do all these penances. Indulgences. Remember, we told you the story about Tetzel, who would go up to Northern Europe. He was trying to raise money to build St. Peter's in Rome. And he had this saying, he was selling indulgences. You know, an indulgence is, you know, you pay money and you can get your relatives out of hellfire who are burning. Of course, the Bible doesn't say anything like that. That's paganism. And he had a saying, when a, when a, a coin in, in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. And so you could get Aunt Susie or Uncle Jim out of purgatory. That's why they taught everlasting fire. It's not in the Bible. It's not there. Wow, that when you die, you don't really die, but you come as gods. No, it's not there. So all these things crept in the church. Indulgences, the Bible. <laughs> If you could find a Bible, it was only chained to, to a monastery's wall, and people couldn't have the Bible. The, the, the ignorant, they said, the pagans, or, or, or the, the, the common people couldn't understand God's Word. Only people who had gone to school could understand it. Only the monks and the priests. And so the Bible was translated into local languages. It was an incredible time as the Reformation began. Eternal fire and death, when you die, you don't really die, you become as gods. That was Satan's lie that came into the church as well. Sprinkling instead of baptism like Jesus was baptized, that crept into the church. All these things kept coming to the church, and truth was lost over and over again. Would God's truth be trodden down forever? People have asked, well, here in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18, notice what it says. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. So truth would be rediscovered. God says the path of the just is as a shining light. The light of the truth would penetrate the darkness. We know, as I've told you the story of the Bible-believing Waldenses up in the Boudoir Valley of, of northern Italy. Kathy and I, with our kids, went there years ago. We left Geneva and drove across through Mount Blanc. It's, it's on the other side of Mount Blanc. Uh, it's an interesting place, very interesting, because these are where the people hid out in those mountains. And... They recorded here in, the, in these mountains, they, they, they had stone tables and they would write out scripture that was translated by hand. They would write it out by hand and they would sew it into garments. And, and then the people, usually young people, would, would go into the northern cities of France and Paris and Geneva and north and they would spread the word of truth. They would share about Jesus with, with other students who would listen to them. If captured, and many were, they were put to death, burned alive, well, or drowned in, in the rivers. Or, it, it was a horrible, horrible time. 
50 million, maybe even 100 million. It just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So we have a period here from the 1400s to the 1800s we call the Dark Ages. It's, it's a time of, uh, in history that people don't like to talk about because it's not good. It's a bad time. But the Reformation began. First, the Waldensians, and they were focused on the Bible. They translated the Bible. They, they would distribute the Bible, just scriptures, pieces of scripture to bring hope to people. John Huss, who was burned at the stake, he, he believed in obedience. And there in Bohemia, he, he taught the people to obey God, listen to God and not man. And, and we, we know that the Reformation continued and continued as, as he was burned at the stake. It's, it's interesting. Someone has said that they burned him at the stake and they threw his, his ashes into the, the River Rhine and it, it flowed out to the world as people in the Reformation, people accepted the Reformation and began to study and learn about Jesus. Luther. Martin Luther, he nailed his 95 Thesis to the Wittenberg door. Remember, he was walking on his knees up on the steps in St. Peter's. He studied to be a, a pastor, a monk. And all of a sudden, a text came into his mind, the just shall live by faith. You don't have to punish yourself <laughs> to be forgiven. Wow. And, and so he, he focused on grace, to know Jesus, to be saved by grace alone in Christ. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore... Now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. We can be forgiven. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. The gift of God. That's why he nailed those 95 theses on his church there in Wittenberg. Started, again, the Reformation. It started. It's interesting. John 16, 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. It's an unfolding in the Reformation as the Reformers discover truth and truth and truth and truth. Wow, and it keeps coming. We keep learning. Here, Kathy and I live not too far from the Jet Doe over in Geneva, Switzerland. On the other side, we study French at Cologne. And here at, at, in Geneva, John Calvin John Calvin began to study and began to learn more and more about growing in grace and knowing Jesus as your friend. Now, it's interesting as different reformers died. For example, when Luther died, based on what Huss had said and, and the Waldensians, his followers formed the Lutheran church. And then the same thing happened with Calvin. Uh, based on what Calvin taught on growing in grace, based on Luther and Huss and the Waldensians, his followers started the Presbyterian Church. And so truth was being rediscovered, and this is why we have the different churches as they rediscovered truth. The Anabaptists, they read in the Bible that Jesus had been baptized by baptism <laughs> in the Jordan River. They said, we got to do that. Well, the church didn't like that, and so many of them were drowned alive, but they believed so firmly and what Calvin had said, and what Luther had said, and what Huss had said, and Waldensians, when they passed away, when they were drowned, the truth continued, and the Baptist church was formed. Wow, all around the world, 4,000 plus are being baptized every day as people learn the truth as it is in Jesus. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. I love this text. This is the reason for Adventist World Radio. This is what we do. That's, that we call it AWR broadcast to baptism. 
AWR 360 broadcast to baptism because of this text. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the great commission that Jesus gives us. And that's why we go and preach and teach. That's why you're watching this video. That's why we have these YouTube videos. That's why Cammy's series, by the way, Cammy's series will be redone again here just tomorrow night. <laughs> so be sure and tune in tomorrow night as we continue with this tomorrow afternoon too. It, it'll be up. It's going to be Unlocking Bible Prophecies International because <laughs> it's going to be, we think maybe in 40 to 50 languages. We're working on those languages that we grow around the world. Wow. Just thrilling when you think of what is happening and how we can do this on YouTube now. When I was, uh, oh, I think after the wall came down and things opened up in Russia, I went to St. Petersburg with a friend, Bruce Johnson, and then the next year I went myself and I preached a series of meetings in, in St. Petersburg. The next year I went to Magadan. That's 11 time zones away, but still in Russia. Things had changed so much. It was wonderful what God was doing. We had 400 baptisms in St. Petersburg, 100 over in Maginot. But I had to cross and go halfway around the world. Cammy. we translated her series in Russian. Here's a little clip of it. You'll, you'll love seeing it. Cammy is preaching in Russian to 1.5 million people, and she doesn't have to leave her living room in Washington, D.C. Isn't that amazing? Wow, what YouTube can do. As you share these videos and friends and neighbors, in whatever language you wish to, Spanish, French, whatever language, Swahili, languages of the world, share them and share them and share them as you tell others about Jesus. Notice the commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the great commission that Jesus has given us, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And that's why I'm <laughs> talking right now. That's why I'm sharing. That's why we have this presentation. That's why we have God's word. We're teaching them to observe all things, not just what you like. <laughs> Remember, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. It's what God says. It's God's word. And that's the commission he's given us at Adventist World Radio. You, as you join, as you're baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist Church, that's the commission that God gives you. Isn't that thrilling? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says he'll be with you no matter what happens. It may be bad, may be good, but God's going to be with you. Don't worry. You don't have to worry. Then Wesley, he's focused on holiness over he and his brother, Charles and John Wesley, over in London. People loved what they said. And so based on what that Baptist said, said, had taught and, and Calvin and Luther and Huss and, Wa, and the Waddensians, when they died, their people took what they had taught and formed the Methodist Church. So that's why we had the Methodist Church. And we say all these different churches, that kept the Reformation kept continuing because they had the printing press and people were translating the Bible into their own languages. It was so thrilling as truth was being rediscovered. Jesus was leading in the Reformation. Then Miller, William Miller and others began to study about the second coming of Jesus. They, they looked at a prophecy on, in 1844 that Jesus would return. They thought actually what had happened, Jesus went into the heavenly sanctuary and we call it the cleansing of the sanctuary when the judgment began up in heaven, not here on earth. Jesus didn't return on October 22, 1844, but 
people were focused on the second coming of Jesus. And we still look for that event, the second coming of Christ. William Miller preached and taught, and, and as people came together, they studied, and they got a passion to see Jesus when he comes. Jesus is coming. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus told us, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So God's people who were looking for the advent of Christ, based on all these other reformers and what they had taught, for the advent of Christ, they believed that we could keep God's commandments. We should keep his commandments because we love him. And one of the commandments is the fourth commandment, and that's why we focus a lot on Sabbath. So the Advent movement, the Sabbath was discovered. Death, you don't, you don't, when you die, you die. You don't go on burning forever. Death is death, and you await the resurrection. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, that's when we receive immortality <laughs> and the health message. So based on all this, the Seventh-day Adventists, based on Miller and Wesley and the Baptists and Calvin and Luther and Huss and Waldensians, based on the Reformation, the Seventh-day Adventist Church was formed. And God has given us, a, us that great, wonderful commission to go to all the world and preach and teach and baptize. Matthew, Jesus says, chapter 15, verse 9, And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Teaching as doctors. That's what happened during the Dark Ages. All these traditions were taught as doctrines, commandments of men, not commandments of God. It, Jesus says it's vain worship. It's, it's vain worship. No. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Here's the patience of the saints. These are God's people just before he comes back the second time. This is the end of the three angels' messages in Revelation 14. Notice now, focus on God's people. Who are they? Here is the patience of the saints. These are the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Because they love Jesus, they keep his commandments. They, it's never the other way around. No, no. We, we love Jesus. We keep his commandments because we love him. Don't you love him? Don't you love him? Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's why we do. Who should be baptized? Well, if you've never been baptized like Jesus, you need to be baptized. If you have been baptized, but you have drifted away, you need to be baptized. If you have learned new truth, you need to be baptized. Let me tell you a story. Happened a few years ago. Kathy and I were in Arizona, and we visited a church up in Payson, Arizona, and we met some friends of ours, Daryl and Mary Jo, and we invited them to go on a mission trip, which they were reluctant, but they did. They ended up going to Kenya and preaching a series of meetings. It was an exciting time in their lives. They got so thrilled and excited about preaching in Kenya that they decided <clears throat> that they needed to do something. So they started an orphanage there, and they run it for many years now. Daryl went back a number of times and held meetings. There was one particular time he was holding a meeting. When he got there, he, he, set his, he was on top of a mountain near the lake. And he was on top of the mountain, Lake Victoria, on top of the mountain, and he put his speaker sort of, he pointed down toward the village. <laughs> and so he preached a whole series of meetings. And then afterwards, a lady who wanted to talk to him. She's an older lady. This is her picture. That's her actual picture. She wanted to talk to Daryl. And she said, I want to tell you something. Yes. She said, I well remember 51 years ago. And Daryl thought, what? That's when I was born, <laughs> 51 years ago, wow. She, she said, I was asleep and I had this dream and I heard this Mzungu's voice. <laughs> that's, that's a person from America, this Mzungu's voice. And, and his voice echoed all around the mountain and God said to me in the dream, when you hear that voice, you'll know it's truth, follow it. 
And she thought, what is that? And she said, it's been 51 years, but I've never forgotten. And when you started preaching two weeks ago and your voice started echoing around the mountain, I listened and that was a voice that I heard 51 years ago. Wow, Darrell's heart was so touched the year he was born. God had told Esther, God had told Esther there in Kenya that he would come there and preach and teach and she would learn about Jesus. Well, friends, when you were born, God knew that you would be listening to this video, that you would be on YouTube or Facebook. You'd be listening to this video. God knew that you'd be there tonight or today or whichever, wherever you are in the world, whatever language you're listening in, God knew. Isn't it amazing? He called you by name. He loves you so much. He died just for you. Have you thought about being baptized like Jesus? If you've never been baptized, you need to do so. Text us. WhatsApp. WhatsApp plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. Text us and tell us, yes, I want to be baptized. Text 224-222-0777. Send us a message. Tell us I'd like that book by Mark Finley. Text us, tell us. If you're thinking about being baptized like Jesus, never say no to Jesus. He knew that you would be listening when you were born. He knew that I would be asking you to raise your hand and say, yes, I want to be baptized like Jesus. Don't let anything stand in your decision between you and Jesus and that decision to be baptized like him. Don't let anything come between you and Jesus. Wow, he loves you so much. He died just for you. Say yes to Jesus. Text us. Text us and tell us. Tomorrow, we start the second series with Cami, the Internationals Unlocking Bible prophecies. Share it with friends and neighbors. Text us. Tell us you want to be baptized, but watch. Make that decision. And remember, He loves you so much. Can I pray for you? Dear Lord, I thank you so much for all those who are listening someplace around the world, someplace on this old ball of mud, someplace there are people that are listening, making decisions for you, decisions for eternity. Lord, I, I know that some of us are thinking, oh, I'm too bad, but no, you're never too bad. Jesus died for every one of us. No, he died for assassins. He, 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 he died for bad people. He died for those who commit adultery, those who steal, those who kill. No matter who you are or what you have done, you may be a priest. You, you, you may be an assassin. You may be a witch. God knows who you are. And he knew that you'd be listening when you were born, make a decision now to make that about face and give your heart to Jesus and be baptized just like Jesus was. And by faith and trusting in him, go forward, go forward. And one day we will all meet in heaven. In Christ's name I pray, amen.